0: You are listening to Ball Side, Goal Side, putting coaches in a better position. Hosted by Ed Heverling and Eric Debranski.
1: If you enjoy our show, please follow and subscribe to our weekly podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Anchor FM. Also, follow us on social media, on twitter at ball underscore goal underscore side and on instagram
2: on ball side goal side all right back here on ball side goal side it's been a long time eric hope ball's well with you down in south florida
1: doing well doing well got a lot of soccer to watch so can't complain <laughs> yeah,
2: it's awesome yeah good um you know it's been a little busy up here as well but uh yeah, I'm really looking forward to speaking with uh, John Markey Jr. here today. I know you're uh, you're good friends with them and you know him pretty well. Um, but uh, looking forward to getting his perspective and insight on how to create a positive team culture during training sessions.
1: Yeah, I think I think whenever you know, obviously, coaches we look at the the way we kind of um, build a training session and things like that. Uh, obviously, um, Markey's somebody that that you know has been at the NAI level, the division one level, uh, an assistant at the division two level and now head coach of the division two level at Lynn university. And, you know, I think somebody that takes a a lot of pride in in learning from others and obviously gain, you know, kind of looking how, you know, what the, what the trends are and and seeing how, how to, you know, kind of create those, uh, those training sessions. And, and that's something that you and I have always talked about. It's like, what, you know, what goes into, um, the mindset when you're, when you're building the different aspects of training, um, you know, what stays consistent, uh, in your daily, um, you know, in your daily routine, uh, within building training. And then, uh, and then talking to them a, a bit about, you know, the communication, uh, like you just said, that, that positive communication, that communication with your players, uh, whether it's right before practice, during practice and throughout practice, that, uh, that kind of help coaches, uh, you know, uh, really create a successful environment.
2: Yeah. I think that's the, uh, you know, the important part is that we have to understand as coaches that it's it's, not just uh, how we plan practice, but how we communicate throughout practice, and how we able to uh, connect and build rapport with our players. And, and I'm, you know, hoping that uh, Coach uh, Marky can kind of hit on some of those for us here today because it is a, a vital part of the coaching piece and being able to find success with your players.
1: Well, and I, I think what I really like, obviously, you know, you and I have, have friends that are in coaching, that, whether it's you know, club coaching, high school coaching, college coaching. Um, it's, it's always, it's always learning, you know, you're always learning in regards to, you're not always gonna be perfect with it, you know, and I think a lot of coaches maybe get caught up into, you know, every session has to be perfect. And and obviously, some of us walk away from sessions and go, man, we could have done this, we could have done that. And, and you want to take it all, you know, you want to get back, you want to get that session back. But, you know, it is really a lot of, you know, you make mistakes. And I think, you know, I think talking to talking to Mark throughout his career, and obviously throughout mine, and, and things of that nature, you, you, you begin to understand that, you know, you really learn from, from doing and, uh, you know, and I think having, you know, having the ability to sometimes, you know, maybe risk a session, but obviously, you know, maybe trying a possession drill that you haven't tried in the past and, and kind of going outside of your comfort zone and trying something different. Um, You know, we're all, we're all tasked with, um, the, you know, the, Having different numbers, whether it's club training, you know, like, you know, you have 18 on your club roster, but 15 show up, but you plan for a session of 18, you know, those adjustment periods of as a coach, you need to adjust on the fly and really get, you know, still put a quality session together, um, even with the numbers being varied.
2: Yeah, and that's it. that's a important part of it. I kind of felt through that through uh, here doing all my trainings. Is one day I'd have one kid show up, and the next time that same group would be nine. And yeah, so it'll be interesting. I'm I'm excited to speak with Coach Markey and, and get his perspective, and uh, hopefully our listeners in, uh, enjoy the interview as well. This week's guest, John Markey Jr., the head coach at uh, Lynn University down in South Florida. John, I appreciate you jumping on here with Eric and I, and I uh, hope you're doing well. Um,
0: Absolutely. Pleasure great. to be here.
2: Yes, thank you. Um, just want to see if we get started. If you could tell us a little bit about your background and um, how you got where you're at today and, and such.
0: Yeah, so um, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, you know, when I was coming up, it wasn't a, a huge, you know, soccer community. I think uh, it's really, really grown. Uh, I've been very, very proud and 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 honored to be a part of that community because of where they're at now with the USL team and things like that. And so, um, but my my father actually started uh, John Markey Senior. <laughs> he started um, you know a club down there and turned into uh, Birmingham United, Busa, and Alabama. I, see it, I think they're uh, between one of those names now. And um, but he kind of got me in there when I was really young. I was my senior year in high school, I was actually coaching in the same club I was playing in, um, just helping out one of the little teams. So I just, I mean, I I have a a very interesting, you know, path because I always knew I wanted to be a coach. And so even as I started to get into college, playing college, even playing a little bit after college, I was already doing my licenses and and coaching teams, youth teams and things like that. Um, You know, and so it's just, it became a passion for me at such a young age. I think, truthfully, as I got into college, it helped me develop as a player as I was still developing as a player. So, um, yes, yeah, so I grew up in Birmingham, uh, played there. I went to the University of Montevallo for uh, two seasons, uh, Division II school in the south of Birmingham. And then I transferred to, uh, to UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham. Um, Division I school there, the Blazers. And uh, that was awesome. I got to play with some very, very talented players. Um, you know, Mike Gettman was the coach back then. He's uh, He truly kind of made me fall in love with with college, the college game and wanted to get involved in that one day. And so um, after I was done playing, I uh, I tried to go I went on some trials to try and play some pro outdoor and nothing really panned out. And, um, you know, I, I kind of was talking to my dad and talking to a couple other mentors and they were like, you know, you got to, you know, try and get into a new market or something. I had some family up in Kansas City. And so I um, I packed my car with all the clothes I had. My brother was going to be a senior up there at UMKC. He was a superstar player. I always say he, better, he was better than I was. And uh, he was like, "Hey, I'm. got my senior year. Why don't you come up here and uh, we'll get an apartment together and you can start coaching club." And so the original plan I was going to actually volunteer for his college team, but his uh, his coach, Rick Benben, um, and me both decided probably let Chris finish playing before before I get involved. And then one thing led to another, I ended up getting involved uh, playing in pro indoor team at the Comets and um, and just coaching for Sporting Blue Valley, the big monster uh, youth club up there and and just kind of grew from there. um, I met a guy named Skelly Keller. He was recruiting one of my ECNL girls. Uh, He was the head coach at Mid-America Nazarene University, MNU, and he kind of, he took over a program that that maybe wasn't very successful. And uh, we just hit it off. We played on an adult league team together and as well as some recruits, some of my kids. And he finally was like, hey, you know, you want to get involved. And I really never thought I was going to get into women's college coaching. I always thought I'd be on the men's side, but um, that experience with Skelly just like changes. I mean, um, it's just so much fun. The the women at that level, they, they're all about it. And they, they understand it's probably their last step. You know, the professional leagues, obviously for the women of growing, uh now but but at an ai level you just don't have a lot of kids with a professional aspiration right so so you're dealing with these girls that are um you know this is it for them so it was kind of it was really cool as was a different kind of um thing it was it was an unexpected uh uh positive i think and i just fell in love with it and two years later i took a head coaching job at uh, bethany college out in Lindsborg, kansas um if you don't know where that is that's probably because most people don't. <laughs> it's, in, it's in central Kansas, and it's uh, it's a cool little town, but uh, it's you know it's 3,700 people, and um, but man, that was a fun experience because there was just not a lot of support um, in terms. Of I didn't have an assistant coach, and um, you know it was, it was it was challenging to recruit kids to to that area. We actually got a lot of California girls to come play for us. Um, a lot of transfers or junior colleges kids looking for another chance, and so. Uh, we built something good there. We had a couple winning seasons and um and then I you know I started uh, you know dating David Lauren and, and we had been talking about trying to trying to figure out a way where we can live closer than Kansas to Florida because she was living down in Florida. So I started looking for jobs in Florida and and um I got on at Rollins uh, College with Alicia there and we had we had some good years there and then I was able to uh, start helping out at UCF and Orlando City and, and and all that kind of stuff, and um, this opportunity popped up, and a lot of people uh, were like, hey, we think you could be good for this, and I, I went through the process, uh, met the AD, Devin, an uh, amazing man, he, he really understands what, what the you know, student-athlete's experience should be, and, um, you know, so I uh, got that opportunity, did the interview, and and it went really well, and we and it off, and that's where I am now, so. Coronavirus ready to coach a game now. <laughs> now but uh obviously, yeah.
1: quirky, it sounds like obviously you've tried you've been around, you've been at all sorts of levels. Obviously, we want to talk about training a little bit, uh, you know, and how you develop training. So can you kind of maybe explain what your coaching philosophy is and how does that philosophy drive the way you create training and how you you yeah. really create the session that you that you're playing in?
0: yeah um, every every coach is different. I think there's so many amazing styles out there that are all successful. Um, you know, for me, I've always I loved the game as a player, and so I, I just have always felt like it's a player's game. And so, as a coach and in running the training session, my job is to you know empower these these young women or you know whoever, men that you're coaching and to be good decision makers, you know. And so I think is when the game comes, know i'm i'm not i'm just not the coach that wants to stand up there and and bark orders i feel like if i haven't given them the answer you know that week in training um you know i didn't do my job and you know so um when i build a training session you know i gotta come up first you know i understand maybe where our weaknesses were from the weekend before and then we just kind of find um you know find some objectives that you know i think we need to get a little bit better at, at um you know, achieving during a game and, and we really focus on that, but I'm big on, uh, you know, empowering the player. Um, you know, I don't like giving them the answer. I like to force them to kind of come up with it. Um, I think a big, a big thing, uh, in coaching is helping them deal with adversity. Uh, you know, in a game, you know, things don't go your way. You're playing against a player that's you know maybe a step quicker than you. And you got to find ways, you know, shut her down. Um, and things like that. so I kind of with, with that with those kind of things in mind is where I really start. and then you kind of get down to the X's and O's and what's the actual drills that are going um, present the, present the players with those opportunities to to uh, you know and those challenges to to grow from.
2: So when you're when you're um, doing these uh, sessions, Marky, I know, you, you're talking about trying to create the decision making and put put them under a little bit of adversity. What other um, aspects of a session are you looking at as a coach to instill into those training sessions that, uh, you know, can maybe help further along those decision making process or really punch home what the, the theme of the training session is?
0: Yeah, I think um, you know it just kind of depends the, the level. But um, with the younger ones, you know, I think it's important they understand like being disciplined in training, you know, taking it seriously. Just because you show up doesn't mean you're getting something out of it. And so, um, you know, for me, I want to be organized in every session I'm running. Uh, you know, the details. Uh, just because we're doing a passing drill doesn't mean you can. Uh, we're doing say we're doing like a, a pattern drill, pattern passing drill. Where we're really working on, you know, um, combining in wide areas. Uh, within that, you still have to hold them accountable for little technical things. You know, why are you why are you not receiving that ball? You know, with your second foot, or you know, why why are you putting it back on your right foot when clearly you should be driving to the line and playing with your left foot? You know, the little technical things inside of the bigger picture, I think it's important that you kind of hone in on those um, in training because. And it's just, I think it's a positive way to show them discipline. Like, um, you know, one of the things I always say when we're doing, say, a technical drill is like, guys, it's okay to be perfect in this drill. This is something you can be perfect at. You know, we're doing a two-touch passing drill. Like, you, you can be perfect today. You may not be a perfect player. You may not be, you know, you may not have a perfect game or anything like that, but there's aspects of the game you can be perfect at. And so I think I try to hit on that a lot. In training and i think it kind of develops this like self-accountability with them you know after a number of times you know i've run a session with a group and for like my college team they just show up when they do those things you know after a certain while when you are holding the accountable, they they did develop that self-accountability to always focus on the technical aspects even though we're we're working on something's more tactically um you know appeasing
2: Now
1: you might have, obviously that accountability is a big part of it. And and that might be the answer to this, this third question. (laughs) And I hate to make it sound like we're just asking the same thing three times, but like, what do you think? uh, It it was one thing that like, obviously I've, I've learned from other sports, how to, how to kind of develop a practice as well watching basketball practices, watching, you know, baseball practices, all sorts of practices, the rhythm and tempo in which people conduct practices, kind of the communication within practices. Uh, One of the, one of the, best things that I, and it's simple one of the best things I'd ever heard from Shaka Smart which is the head coach at Texas basketball was the fact that the one thing that was a non-negotiable for him as a coach was the energy that he brought to practice yeah. uh, you might not have the best structured practice in that moment you might not you know like the things might not go right but the energy has to be there um, you know for coaches uh, like you said you brought up the accountability aspect of it are there are there responsibilities and, and non-negotiables that you kind of always look back and and when you sit down to develop a practice session, whether it's prior and as you go into it, is it something that hey this needs to happen uh, from me, from my staff, from from you know from every aspect of our program? Are there non yeah. or responsibilities that you always? No,
0: I, I think um, yeah the one the one thing I do a lot on my you know uh, self-reflections when I'm thinking back on the training session is did I bring the energy that I wanted them to have? So I love, I love that, 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 uh, that quote you just said there, I think it's spot on. Um, you know, uh, just because you're not that coach on the sideline in the game, like, like we were kind of talking about earlier, you know, I'm, I'm on the sideline. I expect them to just go out there and kind of do their thing. And I've given them, you know, most of the instruction prior in that week, but, like you're, you were talking about a training session, you got to bring that energy. And I feel like if you can't bring that, like you can't expect them to do it, right? And so, um, you know, I think it's important to, to you know, compete and train. Like, I think a bit, like a big thing for me with the college players is like, you got to always want to win. If it's a passing drill, like you got to want to win. You got to want to be the best passer in that drill, you know? And so for me, you know, holding them accountable, and, and, and forcing them to be, um, you know, extra focused in those moments. Like that's kind of a that's kind of a way you, you're competing with yourself a little bit, you know. But um, but I have to bring that energy in terms of demanding those things out of them. You know, if I just let let one little thing go in a in a simple drill and training, I'm not doing my job. And so, um, you know, when we say when we say bring the energy to the practice, it, you know. For a coach, it's not like just running around there yelling and demanding things sometimes, right? It's more like you know just being on your on your on your stuff you know if if I had these three things I want to hit today, like I better not ever let anybody get away with not doing those right in that day, and that's me bringing that energy, you know and um I think it's good to have good rapport with your players and um I'm a big advocate I'm like making sure throughout a session, I at least say every player's name, you know, in a positive way. And I think that's part, like that kind of gives them, you know, um, energy there and, 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 and once that helps them want to be there and want to want to compete with each other with themselves and stuff like that. It's just, I don't remember where I, where I heard that, but I read that um, somewhere and I was just like, Oh my gosh, it's so right. Like when you're in a conversation and I go, Hey Eric, Hey Ed, your ears immediately perk up, right? And yep. you want to you want to listen because you just said my name. And this thing has to do with me, and so that's that's like a little tool I try to use. A lot of training sessions, um, I try and get a lot of them out early in the in the uh, in the technical warm up or something like that, and hopefully they they kind of carry carry that through. Um, that kind of answer that question there. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think yeah, no, that it definitely does. I mean, I think I think the name one is actually a really good one I mean that's that's something that I've I think unintentionally I've tried to do that you know in terms of I think we all try to leave a positive impression you know yeah. in regards to you never really want a player to it's that fine balance between holding them accountable and then obviously making sure they're not leaving the session like I'm a complete failure
0: in regards yeah. to I just didn't do this. yeah and you don't you don't want them to think that you didn't you don't care right? Yeah. like you and it's tough when you got a roster of 30, 35 college girls, yep. you know, around to every player. Um, you know, when you have a staff, it helps because you go, okay, you know, I'll, you know, when I have a staff, I'll say, um, all right, these are, your, these are your kids for the day. Um, you make sure they leave the session feeling good. Okay, push them, but make sure they're, they leave the session feeling good. Yeah. You know, say their name, like amplify their positive moments yeah. and those kind of things. You know, I'm, I'm a big advocate on, on positive coaching. Um, because I believe, I believe like hounding on a player or, or, calling them out when they're not doing the right thing, that's a weapon that y- you shouldn't use unless it's needed. And so if you are bringing this positive energy to your training sessions all the time, and one kid isn't doing the right thing in the moment, and you say something that means more to them because that's not usually who you are. You know, you go, um, yeah. Sally, pick it up Your Your energy level is not there today. And Sally doesn't go, Oh man, coach John's being a jerk. She goes, man, he's right. Yep. Oh man, he doesn't usually get on me like that. I must, I, I got to pick it up. He's right, and and that that's building relationships with your players too. Those got those got to be in place before you, you know, you, you should be able to talk to them like that and and have that have that back and forth with them. You know, yep. I, I don't like to use the word negative, but in like a a more constructive criticism way,
1: right? It's a good word, yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. I mean, it's, like I said, it is that balance because we're not always going to have good days, you know, like our players are not always going to have good days. So it's really finding that you said it, build that relationship and that rapport that, that, you know, you can, what buttons you can push and, and who you can maybe, you know, um, maybe communicate a little differently sometimes with them. And, and obviously, and you said it well, yeah. Construct a phrase that, that might, you know, um, kind of hit, hit home a little bit better. So yeah i mean it's it, it doesn't even like obviously the structure of the uh, you know the the practice is one thing and then obviously the implementation is another and it's just it's it's always fascinating now when we go to the structure of it of your practices what what are kind of we talked about non-negotiables with the energy the accountability and stuff like that when you sit down and develop a structure and a practice and a practice plan are there three phases? Are there four phases? Obviously we've, you know, Ed and I, you know, have met with a couple guests earlier in, in the seasons with U.S. Soccer's, you know, um, version yeah. of how, how to create a practice plan and things like that. What are what are the phases that are that are non-negotiable for you when it comes to the college team?
0: Um, so in terms of the college team, I think it's really important that you get to a situation where it's very being, like, fast. Um, you know, the college level is about, I mean, it's about winning, you know? And so, I mean, that's just the truth of it, right? Like a lot of people, your job matters whether you win or lose. And so figuring out what the objectives are for that week or that weekend and how you're going to accomplish them and then get them into situations that are very, um, you know, very applicable to the weekend that's coming up and fast and, I love coaching, I love coaching 11 v 11 uh, game with them. I like to get there quick. Um, I do like to do a lot of uh, like half field stuff. Um, maybe we go like eight v four at the back line and then you throw a defensive center mid in there. If we're working on, you know, um, tacking or whatever, um, or maybe I'm working with the back line and we we gotta be a little more sharp because the team we're playing is, you know, dangerous up top, um, you know, I think it's important – you know, I use the word adaptable a lot with my teams, and that's part of, like, the style that I want to kind of develop in them. And, you know, and, and so an example of that would be we just got done playing on the weekend and we played a 4-3-3. Three, three. Well, my center backs, if I'm playing a flat back four, my center backs only had to deal with one center forward. But this weekend they play with a two front. And, and it's going to really change, and so getting them into those kind of situations where they're having to deal with it, I think it better prepares them. Um, to kind of to kind of answer your question, so it, it depends. I think there's a. It's important to have a technical warm up and an aspect just to get the blood flowing, um, but I also think you can do that in in a way that is even as applicable. I, I like I do um, I do a eleven v zero a lot. Um, I'll start the ball with the goalkeeper. And I'll say you got 30 seconds and, I, and I'll, maybe I draw the exact pattern to start. And then I start taking rules out and give them a little more freedom. But I mean, that that could be something we immediately jump right into. Um, because I just, I want them, you know, I want them in situations, especially when you're, you're talking about a fall season, especially in a fall season where you got a game on the weekend. And if your right back's gonna deal with this situation, You know 20 30 times in the game she needs to deal with it 100 to 150 in training before that or she may have not prepared properly for that um again whether i'm right or wrong that's that's kind of how i approach it um yeah i wouldn't say different phases i think um i think it's important to allow your practice to to transition organically Um, if you're doing a technical warm-up and it needs to be they need to get it done in 10 minutes like that's different get it done in 10 minutes and get the reps in, get some water, and let's get to the next thing. But if we're doing – if we're working the, with the back line and they can't deal with, you know, three players coming at you, why are you moving on to six players coming at them? You know, you're not helping them. Let's make sure we're getting this down before we move on to the next thing. And so phase two might end up being 45 minutes when you really only plan for 25. And so then that changes your session the next day. But I think it's important to kind of understand your team and, and, and allow it to – to kind of transition organically. But that kind of answered your question there roundabout.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that that's good, Marky, appreciate that. Um, so, you know, you, you're able to do the club as well, and I'm sure there's gonna be some changes in your training sessions, when you only have them maybe once or twice a week compared to having them, you know, the four or five days a week when you can train. Um, so when it comes to, you know, approaching the, the training session for your club teams, what does that look like, and how does that differ from your college program?
0: That's a, that's a great question, Ed. Um, you know, I think the biggest difference when you go – when you're training your college team compared to your club team is that mentality. You can control – you're so much more interactive with your college players on a daily basis they stop by your office. Um, you know, you probably know, um, you know, some of their friends and or you know what's going on in their life a little more than you do your club kid. And so when that player comes – and you know she she's had a tough week because an academic situation or something. Um, You're going to approach that player a little differently, where with the club kids you can't. It's just you just don't know them as close as you do your college kids per se. So you got to be. It's a little more like like a bird's eye view of of your training. You want to kind of treat everybody the same um, in terms of of that kind of stuff because you don't know what's going on. You know, something could be going on with their family, and this kid's having a bad day, and you're harping on her. Well, you just made her bad day worse. And you didn't know she was having a bad day um, until dad calls later and goes, hey, just so you know, this is going on and in, in little Sally's life. And like, oh, well, I feel really crappy now for yelling at her for an hour straight. But yeah. um, so you got you to gotta approach it with, with the information you got, I guess. And I, I think that would be the biggest difference. I had, to, I had to put my finger on one thing and be like, it's a little easier to figure out what's going on in the college girl's heads sometimes just because you just you get to know them yeah. a little
1: better. I've always, I've always, I think Ed and I have always had this conversation as well. Was was you always have to have plan A, plan A two, plan A three, you know, just because, you know, exactly. like I go to a field, you know, obviously I, 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 you know, I'm fortunate to really work at a club that I really enjoy and things like that. But sometimes you go and you're like, hey, Eric, you have this quarter of the field when you thought you had a half a field that day. Yeah. You go and you, you ability thought, there. Yeah, you thought you had a goal and now you don't have any goals, <laughs> or right. You know, so I think. Or you thought you had all 18 of your club kids and only, you know, yeah. 15 show. And you're like, well, I needed a 15th. So that was <laughs> that, there when that 5v5v5 transition game. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely it, – it, that's why I've yeah. always really enjoyed the club aspect of it of the training sessions because
0: yeah. – You get that in college sometimes too, though. Yeah. How many times yeah. have you walked up to the college field and your trainer goes, oh, no, 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 those three are out today. Yeah. i like, yeah. Well, I didn't know that until right now. For sure. Uh, I'll throw it my whole session because my three forwards are out today. For sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's part of part of what we do,
1: though, right? Yeah, and I think that they, that just harps on the like you said earlier, just the organization part of it. And the details matter because when you have those detailed plans, they tend to you can you can really restructure it on the fly. And I think you know because we could sit there and kick rocks and and you know throw a fit, <laughs> but you know it the session's going to happen whether we like it or not. <laughs> you know, so exactly. um, I guess you know I think all of us coaches got into coaching because we do enjoy training. It, are there things that, you know, it, it seems like you were around a lot of really influential coaches, like you said, while you were playing, you were still getting licenses. While you, you know, got out of playing, you, you got involved in in coaching right away. Were there things along the way, maybe resources, maybe, you know, things like, like even in my job today and what what I do, I always try to spend thirty minutes watching some sort of training session every day. Like that was always my mindset. It was like I have thirty minutes. Yeah. Like, there's no way you can't tell me, you know, um, that you don't have thirty minutes to look up a passing pattern, look up a possession drill, yeah. something that you want to look up. And then I always click and email them to myself. <laughs> so yeah. so I always found those little the little resources. But were those things? Were there things along the way that helped you uh, that you would really kind of push to? for others to do, whether it's watching other, watching other sports, talking to the coaches?
0: Yeah, I think I – think, I mean, there's just so much high-level soccer out there in the professional world, and, and we're all so different and we have different teams. But I think um, what I found that helps me a lot is when I figure out who – what the identity of my college team is going to be for that season and how we're going to kind of play, I try to find a professional team that plays very similar, and, and I watch them. Um, you know, just even if it's like, um, you know, if we were going to play a, a very rigid four-four-two, you know, I go, okay, I got, I needed to go watch fifteen minutes of Atletico Madrid. because They love the four-four-two and they play it so well. Or, you know, that's just an example. Um, you know, but uh, you know, and, and just really, um, just watching it done like at the highest level, I think that's that helped me a lot. And, I, and and the, and you stop it and you go okay why is that why is that summer mid you know moving into that space well oh, that makes sense see what they just did there and so now I go okay that's you know I don't need my players to play like the pros but but um, I don't think at that level a lot of them make make those uh, mistakes in terms of like spatial awareness and stuff like that and so I think it's just a it's a great tool you know um, the bet the best piece in the past few years I've seen. Is the uh, the NWSL league? There's some very very talented coaches in there. Some very high level women's players. And I think watching a, a men's professional game and a women's professional game, there's a little there's differences to it. I think it's so much more relatable when you go. All right, I want to play. You know that four four two box that the Courage love, and they play it so well. Um, you know I, I spent I spent three months trying to teach it to a club team, and I was like, all right, we got this, and we go out and lose the next two games. We're like we did not get this. <laughs> but but you know that's me learning and going okay that didn't fit us I don't I, I tried to make that fit my team instead of going okay this is who my team is now let's go find a tool or a team at the highest level that kind of mimics what we're trying to do maybe it's just a piece of it maybe I want to play you know maybe we're going to play a flat back four and so I go find a team that just has a really good back back line and, and I just kind of watch how they move and things like that. But. Um, to answer your question, I think that that's probably been my best thing is just watching the game. That's why I harp on my players so much. I, every time I go, did you watch the game this week? Did you watch the game this week? And especially with the younger ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think soccer is so fluid, and again, that's why we love it. It's just such a such a game that changes. One one day you're a genius, and one day your uh, your yeah. four four two box doesn't work, <laughs> and then it's and then three months is uh is out the window. So, um, you know, it's definitely a structure. Is there going going back like the training session? Are there things where you go in again, building a training session and conducting a training session that you always want to have the the end product be okay? This is my goal for the end of this session, whether it's just even a tiny goal, like where it's like, Hey, I want to. Score. Yeah. Goal yeah. I
0: think, I think one word that, you yeah, one word Eric, that just popped in my mind when you, when you asked that question is success. I think they need to have success at the end of this training session. Um, you know, even when I do individual, you know, uh, sessions um, with a player and they're maybe working on finishing or something and they got two more reps, but the last rep, she skyed it or something. Oh, let's do one more. Let's do one more, then. you know, and, and uh, I kind of I, I see that um, in my team. I mean, if you're playing, if you're in, in your training session with a, a good seven v seven little tournament or something, like somebody's going to end losing. Somebody's going to end winning. But there's still a success there. Someone won. Right. And so um, I, I that's that's probably the, yeah, that that's the word I'd say. I want I want them to feel like they, they walked away successful. You got something out of it.
2: Yeah, I like that. I uh I hope uh coaches can remember that we we were doing a training session one time and uh it was a defensive session was the focus and uh the coach ended when the team scored a goal and uh, <laughs> it it kind of threw the whole the whole point out, you know, of of the whole session. It was like, "All right, that's a great goal. We're going to end here." And it's just like, "No, no, no. We 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 have to keep going forward here. It's a it's a yeah. defense session. Oh. That's the, that was the focus."
0: Yeah. Well, those are tough ones, the defensive stuff. It's like, "What well, what, what means we were successful today? Well, you, you won the ball back really quick, so, so we did it. And so uh, whenever I do defending sessions, like everybody rolls their eyes because why? Oh, God, you don't get a shoot, right? And so I've, I've learned this through lots of mistakes and trials and errors, plenty of errors, and it's like give, give the defending group some goals. Give them a goal back there to score. But when they win it, then they score a goal. You know and and uh, and don't end it till you can't it's just not about winning the ball back win it and then go do what we did you know and and so but that's funny i've probably done that
1: before i have to be honest (laughs) no but you know marky i think i mean what you said is is uh, it really resonates with me because obviously i think a lot of and and i would definitely consider myself still a young coach in terms of i'm not you know i'm still learning obviously you're always still learning but you make mistakes, you know, like, I, I think that's, I think it's okay. You know, like, I think a lot of coaches get caught up in that, you know, just like we, we kind of sometimes tell our players to, it's like, everything's gotta be perfect. Like, no, there's going to be sessions that are just not, not really what you wanted. So, I mean, I think, you know,
0: You know, know, you'd be surprised how much your players appreciate vulnerability sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, is okay. That didn't go well. Guys, that didn't go well. That's on me a little bit. Yeah. It didn't go out well because of me. Because what I had in my head, it didn't come out here. And that's right. on me. And obviously, if you're doing that every training session, they go, this guy has no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> but um, but those moments, I think those moments end up, end up making you grow with your players a little more. So you can't be afraid of that. And, and I can't. I mean, there's countless times where I'm doing something. I'm like, all right, get water. We're done. Don't ever think about this drill again. Because I don't know what I was thinking of here. You know, and so having that ability to just do that, um, you know, I think it shows it shows them that that vulnerability, and then and then on the back end of vulnerability, it comes confidence. I think, and so coaches go, all right, he's confident enough to go. That didn't work. Let's move on to something else instead of going. No, we got to make it work. We got to make it work. Yeah. You know, I think that, that that's where you have that internal battle as a coach sometimes.
1: Yeah. No, and I think that's sometimes what I see a lot of. It's like. You're you really trying to make it make it work to till the end, and and sometimes it just it, it just wasn't meant to be, and and that's you know, yeah, around. yeah, yeah. I always I always joke with people. I'm like, I have problem with sizing grids a lot. <laughs> you know, like in terms of you know, I always I always end up having to adjust the grid a little bit. So it's like, hey, you know, that's why I have to start taking little notes. And then I made this a 40 by 30 last time. I made this a 40 by oh. 60 or whatever. And it's like, okay, so at least I remember uh, you know, a little bit of what, what I was doing. So I, I keep a detailed note of my sessions now, just so I know. know and that
0: as soon as you, yeah. As soon as you get that drill and you're like, okay, 20 by 30 makes sense with this drill. Here we go. And then you go train a different team or you go to an ID camp yep. and you're like, Oh my God, it's gotta be twice the size for this group yep. or or it's gotta be half the size or whatever. Yep. And it just, all of it goes out the window there too. But yep. but that's what, that's what it's about. Right. Is being yep. adaptable in those, in those moments. That's why we love it. Cause because for every other every one of those negative ones we're talking about there's that one where you just nail it you know oh yeah and you're like oh i totally got that right yeah that's probably what I'm doing. It's like our golf game you know when i shoot 120 but, but last that one up, shot be nice i'm gonna play another round maybe not next week but in a couple weeks but no.
2: so uh, mark appreciate your time here today just want to uh finish up uh um, and see if you could uh, share some of maybe uh, your social media contacts, so our listeners and us can follow you and keep up with uh, that golf game of yours, um, and uh, uh, all- you know the Lin soccer program as well.
0: Yeah. So um, our um, our athletic department has a has a uh, Twitter or, uh, Instagram handle, and let me, I'm going to find it because I'll say it wrong. Um, but our but ours for our team is Coach underscore Markey. L U W S O C, so uh, Lynn University Women's Soccer, um, and so each of the coaches kind of have their their own, and then we kind of have an athletic uh, department one. It's kind of cool. It's a very different way than uh, than a lot of teams do it, but uh, I love it because um, the the athletic department posts everything about all our sport, our our sport, and the other sports. And um, you know, it's, it's kind of cool. There's one place you can get your information for our, our entire athletic department. It's a very 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 close knit athletic department when it's a, it's a cool it's a cool place to work for sure. Um my personal one is uh coach marky12 is my Instagram. Yeah. And I I usually I'll post you know mostly it's about my club my club girls or or Lauren or something so.
1: Marky we really appreciate the time. Absolutely. Obviously yeah. we'll- Get to have you on again at some point and obviously share, uh, share some training session uh, <laughs> uh, goods and bads in, in regards to uh, what works and what doesn't. So uh, look forward to it and, uh, you know, wish you guys all the best. Thank you. Thank you, Eric. and Thank you, Ed. It's been a pleasure, guys. Our weekly show is brought to you by Athletics View, whether it's soccer, football, basketball, and many other sports. You have a memory to share. Let us help you share that game or match through film via our video production. For more information, visit athleticsview.com, spelled V-U-E, or follow them on Instagram or subscribe to their YouTube channel.
2: All right, back here, uh, ball side, goal side. Great little conversation there we had with uh, Marky. Uh, great to get some perspective and really appreciate his insight on how to pre- uh, create that uh, team culture during practice. Uh, Eric, what'd you think?
1: Yeah, I really like the ideas. Obviously building that, that structure and obviously the, the thought process that goes behind uh, and the philosophy that, that he has going into to creating a, um, a session plan, the the actual the, the structure of the session plan. And then on the second portion of, of executing the, the the session plan on how to communicate with his players. I really liked the, the idea that he had of, of, he tries to, you know, use or say each one of his players' names throughout the session in a, in a positive sense, um, you know, whether it's in the technical portion or, or one of the tactical portions, I think that's a key thing. I, I think, you know, as, as I said in the interview, I, I kind of unintentionally do that. You know, I think you always want your kids to, Obviously, hear their name called in a positive sense because obviously, you know, I think sometimes we all tend to just kind of do the corrections and and make the adjustments. But I think that was uh, that was something that I've never purposely thought out, and I think that's a Mm -hmm. that's a great uh, aspect of it. But even just the philosophy of of his that when he goes into training sessions, he's really trying to create an environment that empowers his kids to make decisions and creating a training session that's structured to really promote decision making and dealing with adversity. I mean you, you had talked to him briefly about it in, in the interview was was really creating those situations whether it's in possession or whether it's in you know finishing or any any sort of session um, really creating those those moments where they have to make a decision and, and really empowering as players I think it's such a uh, such a powerful um, message to, to kind of send and, and really something that again, I think maybe unintentionally you kind of think about it sometimes or myself. Mm-hmm. And I think now, you know, talking to Marky, I think that's something that that I I definitely need to sit down and and when I create sessions is really trying to figure out how to, you know, really create a session where our kids are making decisions and and really having those, um, those situations within training. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's what um, I really appreciated his insight there on, on trying to get everyone's name out there as well. Um, I used to teach a foundations of coaching course there at the college level. And uh, part of that was every day at practice, we, I told the, the, kids you know as you're coaching to try and do that same thing even if it's just as the kid walks up you just say hey how you doing Eric you know hey how you doing whoever and it, it gives them a little bit and then throughout training trying to to make sure you you hit their names as well um so that was great and then um you know I like the fact that he says he tries to get into games like situations immediately uh, especially at the college level at the you know at the club level he kind of understood it may take some time but at the cl- our college level um getting in those game-like situations so you can empower the players and start making them make decisions is, is huge. Um, but the other thing that, that really stuck out with me that, um, I found in my coaching profession that helped was that vulnerability. Um, and when you do screw up to admit it, um, let the players know that, Hey, I, I, that session was partly on me or that session failed because of me, or I made a bad tactical change here or whatever it might be. Um, you know, and I found that, that the players respected that a little bit more and realized, okay, it's okay to make mistakes. Um, and it's also okay to admit to your mistakes then, and not just push the blame on someone else or just kind of forget about it. Um, so I think, you know, those, you know, between getting to know your players and building the rapport, getting them in that game-like situation for decision-making and the vulnerability, um, as a coach all stuck out to me as great ways to build those training sessions to have a positive impact on, on the players.
1: Yeah, and the last point that I that I'll make, and then those are great points, is the adaptability part of it—the the ability right. to to really, um, you know, like you said, you know, I think Marky joked joked about it was you can't you can't again you hold yourself accountable to making the mistakes within training, but obviously if, if you're telling your players ten times in a row that hey that that session was on me, then obviously <laughs> yeah. your players are going to be like what the heck is this this, right. this doing? Um, but the adaptability part of it is, is so key as, as a coach. And and I think that's why we all love it so much because it's not always going to be perfect. And it's not always going to be, you know, one day you're going to think you're, you know, you're Pep Guardiola. And then the the, the next day you think, you know, Oh man, I could have, I could have done this so much better or, or really, you know, um, really question, uh, you know, how you delivered something. But, you know, I think the adaptability is so key, always being a lifelong learner um, and really understanding that, you know soccer is is a fluid you know fluid sport so everything changes the way we warm up kids now changes the way we jump into training whether it's you know know, play practice play whether it's you know different aspects of it uh the adaptability is is huge and and I think those are those are key uh key components that he that he brought up that that I really enjoyed um and I and obviously I hope a lot of coaches take uh you know take that you know and uh and really make it something that they incorporate in their sessions.